Welcome to Living With, a podcast about the stories and people behind Health Union. Health Union integrates the power of human connection and technology, uniting people in the shared experiences of life with chronic health conditions. I'm Emily Downward. In this episode, we meet L.B. Herbert, Executive Director of Research and Analytics. L.B. and her team are behind the scenes at Health Union, creating and managing many surveys that help inform the content that is developed for each of the communities. I'm L.B. Herbert. I'm Executive Director of Research and Analytics. And at Health Union, my team's responsible for all of the In America surveys that we do annually for each of the communities. We also do what we call, say, special topic surveys, little surveys that cross communities about in-depth topics that may range from their doctors to mental health issues to, say, the impact of cancer if we're surveying the cancer communities. And we also um, provide operational support for other research projects for other teams here at Health Union. When did you start working for Health Union? I started in 2014 as a contractor and then permanently at the start of 2015. And what drew you to this job? There were several things. One, I was looking for a place where I could apply more of my research skills along with just some of my knowledge about the health area. Also looking for a place to work where there was purpose in what we did versus just a paycheck, but doing more of the greater good. I also knew some of the coworkers I was going to be working with, and I enjoyed working with them at other companies. So to be able to keep that going was also very enticing. And at the time, I was employee number eight. So it was cool just to build something from the ground up when you could all sit around one table at a restaurant and figure out where we were going to go. And now we would overflow the restaurant with the company. But it's amazing to see the growth over the years. Yeah. Can you tell me about your personal connection to some of our communities? I myself have psoriatic arthritis. So that's one connection when we got that community up and going. Also, um, my daughter had or has melanoma. Uh, she's four years NED as of last week. And NED is? No evidence of disease, so she hasn't had a recurrence, and they got it all when they did her surgery four years ago. Um, so skincancer.net also has been a resource and something that's touched my heart. So it's not often that children are diagnosed with melanoma. No, very few. At the time, about 75 children a year under the age of 10 would be diagnosed with melanoma. So doctors don't even think it could be melanoma if there's a spot or a mole or something that doesn't look right. It's it's really rare. But the sad thing is we're meeting more and more even babies being born with melanoma. We go to an annual conference for other pediatric patients so it's just something that we have to increase the awareness for both parents and healthcare providers to do these checks and to get the biopsies early. Yeah. And how old was she when she was diagnosed? She had just turned 10. The oh. spot had been there over six months, and they sent us home maybe four months prior saying it was just a blood blister and it would go away. And uh, we just finally had it cut off because where it was on her foot was very uncomfortable with her shoe, and we just you know told the dermatologist just, get it off just so it's comfortable, and they sent it to pathology, and a week later they called in shock themselves as to what it was. Wow. That must have been just shocking for you as well. It, 
as a parent, you can't even imagine. You get that phone call and you don't you don't even know what to do. I just remember taking out a notepad and writing everything down because I, I don't even know if I believed it was real and I had to see it written down or I got into full organizational mode that I was going to have to organize and everything. And I was out of town taking care of a, a sick parent mm-hmm. and you know, trying to be like, I have to tell my child this and I'm not home and I need to get home to get her to a doctor and trying to find a doctor because you don't know who to call, what type of oncologist or surgeon. Uh, But our dermatologist was very helpful. They had a doctor and the next day they even called back and said, we don't want you going to that one. We found one that's actually worked on a pediatric basis and a residency and they, and they got us in touch with, I think one of the most wonderful set of doctors in the world. That, and she was our youngest patient at the oncology office, surgical oncology. And it, it was just, they were life changers for us. Wow. And I remember you telling me she, she's very good about doing her own skin checks now. Oh, yes. And she gets very upset if I, say, point something out to the dermatologist. Because they'll say, you know, the dermatologist looks to me, she's like, well, sometimes I'm going to go with Dr. Mom because you see them more. Has this grown? And we'll debate in the office, and she'll say, it hasn't grown. Tell her to measure. It's still four millimeters. It's not because she knows criteria six. Wow. still four, Mom. And I'll be like, well, you know, that doesn't look right on your skin graft. It's been there all along. So she's very diligent about what she's had and not had. She's very knowledgeable, too, it sounds like. Yes. I was a mate when she was 10. We had to go for genetic counseling because when you get an odd cancer at a young age, of course, you have to have a bunch of genetic testing to see if, say, her siblings also needed testing. And the doctor came in, and, and he sat there and said, you know, who who wants to tell me what's happening? And, and she was a 10. She raised her hand. She said, I'll tell you what's happening. And she gave a lot of details, and I filled them in, too. But it was really interesting. Like, she really... She knew a lot and can answer. Now that she's a teenager, it's a little different. It's Maybe it's even more different. And we found this with other parents of teens that we've known over the years through our pediatric support groups. The kids don't want to talk about it anymore. Mm. There's a lot of anxiety. We find that these children are depressed or anxious, and they can't vocalize why. And when we try to get them to talk about the cancer or even do something for, say, a cancer run or support cancer, they don't even want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I feel bad as a mother. I sit there saying, well, she should be the first one up there screaming, wear your sunscreen, and my bat mitzvah's, you know, money for skin cancer. But to them, I think they're just trying to be normal teenagers and not relive that. Yeah. But yeah. I did ask her one day, what I said, do you ever think about it coming back? And she said to me, I think about it every day. And that's the hardest thing as a mother. That, and she was 12 at the time, but to think in the back of their head, your kid's just wondering, is it going to come back? And, and she's aware if it comes back, it'll come back worse, pretty much, when it metastasizes usually. So, it, you know, it's a lot for them, especially they're not fully cooked adults. They're teenagers, and there's so many things they're trying to deal with it in high school and kids and bullying and then they have that on top of it and we hear about a lot of the kids the bullying over their scars especially if they're facial scars Mm -hmm. she's lucky it's on her foot but the kids with facial scars or on their arms they're getting a lot of bullying at school over it and and I just and it's something I wish other parents were more cognizant of gosh yeah I'm it's hard to be a teenager anyway but 
to have that on top, like weighing in the back of your mind. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine. With, with your experience as a parent of a skin cancer survivor, do you call her survivor or... I call her survivor yeah. or warrior. I think the pediatric groups, they call them our little warriors, but she's almost my height, so it's hard to say that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so being a mother of someone who's had melanoma and having psoriatic arthritis yourself, how does that impact when you do research on our communities? How do you bring that perspective in? Well, it helps me know what the right search terms are. <laughs> <laughs> like it'll bring that lens like oh, I know exactly what I need to look for um, and also I like it because I can just head nod with a lot of the articles especially like with psoriatic arthritis you can just for myself because I'm going through it versus the parent of you know I don't know all her emotions but I can just head nod and go I'm not alone somebody else is feeling that somebody else is struggling with that and, and that's a great validation because sometimes you always wonder. And, and getting the diagnosis of an autoimmune often can take years and you can be bounced around. And like with psoriatic arthritis, it's not as clean cut as RA. And even RA is not, if you don't have RF factor, a lot of doctors will send you off. But with psoriatic arthritis, it's like, it, it takes the right rheumatologists and the right doctors to get there. And it's a very frustrating experience. It took me a total of 15 healthcare practitioners with just different physical things going on, but they all pointed to the psoriatic arthritis. Mm -hmm. And I just look back at that thinking until I could finally get somebody to put on paper and get me on a treatment plan of what was going to work for me. Yeah. So how is your condition now? I think it's very well managed. So I'm on a biologic of course, I've gone off all the DMARDs because I was able to control the biologic. And I'm very much, I try to reduce as much prescription medication as I can just to live as one holistically. And I think it's, it's doing so much better. I do a lot of exercise. Um, I just watch my sleep. I try to get a lot of good sleep. Um, it's hard, it's painful, you know, it can be a painful sleep, but I try to just always have a good sleep schedule, eat well, hydration's a big one, mm-hmm. especially I find with airline travel, got to make sure I stay hydrated or it just kind of puts you out of whack going on the plane. And, um, and I also just try to have the mentality, if I'm in a flare, I will look at my husband, I will look at my kids and be like, we're going to the mall. And I may be shuffling like an old lady, but my viewpoint is just keep my joints moving. Mm. Keep me moving until I go home and I flop on that couch and get some sleep. And I just try really hard to get through that. Um, and I try to avoid the prednisone too. Just because I have high blood pressure and high cholesterol, somewhat related to the psoriatic arthritis. You know, there's a lot of research on that. And I'm just trying to balance all that together. Yeah, it's so common for the people in our communities to have more than one thing that they're managing. It's never just the one. Oh, no, yeah. I, and you find that, you know, I look at the survey when we analyze the IA data, and I'm like, these, you know, patients are not even managing one condition. They have these other conditions, and then doctors, some doctors may say, oh, it is related, and others may say it isn't related, or I only see you for this, and they don't look at the whole patient. And they especially don't look at the emotional impact on the patient. They're really very much... Is, are the meds working? How are your symptoms? And it's hard to find a doctor. I'm very lucky I found one, but I know a lot of patients who haven't found one. 
how is just your daily functioning? How are you doing as you? What else do we need to do for you as the holistic patient to do that? Yeah. Why do you think it's important for people living with chronic conditions to have online communities? One, I think just to get more resources. And yes, you could Google all day and find tons of data, but we really can distill it down to almost understandable data too. Because there's a lot out there and you could... If there's two sides to every story and there's data, you know, 10 years ago, it was like bacon used to be good for you and now it isn't. It's that concept of what is right and what is wrong. And I think having that support where you can go, somebody's helped distilled it out, and where you can get other patients' opinions. Because, of course, you're going to read all sorts of opinions or a, a manufacturer is going to say that theirs is better than somebody else's. But... I think to read how other patients did, you know, how are your, you know, how are the side effects for you? Or how do you, how do you take, what's an easier way to take this? Or how do you get through your injection mm-hmm. versus, yeah, you want to follow what the manufacturer says on how to eject. There might be little tips and tricks, you know, squeeze a stress ball, scream mm-hmm. into a pillow while somebody's inject, something like that. I think those are the things patients need to just have, and just to have that connection, that validation that they're not alone. Just like when I go and nod my head, I think for patients to say, I'm not alone in this. That's really important. And I've, I've heard you say that, um, that same refrain of like, I'm not alone. You see that even in the data that you get back from the, the different research. Oh yeah. I, I think what's exciting for me is, you know, somebody's taken an in America survey and that could be up to 80 questions at times. And at the end, we get people saying, thank you. Thank you for letting me share my story. Or my favorite is, thank you for showing me some of this information that I'm going to go ask my doctor about. Like they'll say they took screenshots of, say, some of the medications or some of the holistic things or whatever that they can go talk to their doctor about. It was almost like a discussion guide or things to think about when they're like, you know, my doctor doesn't talk to me about that. You just asked me to rate if my doctor talks about it, and they don't. Maybe they should. Mm. So I like that it's almost like we're learning from them, and they're learning something from us. And I'm glad we were able to give back in that way. Health Union elevates the voices of people living with challenging health conditions and engages patients, caregivers, advocates, and healthcare professionals to cultivate meaningful relationships. Health Union platforms are some of the largest and fastest growing online health communities. To learn more about Health Union and our online communities, visit health-union.com. I'm Emily Downward. Thank you for listening to Living With.